This is the DTV Digest, the podcast that brings you news and reviews of films which didn't make it to the cinema. And now, here's your host, Mike Parkin. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the DTV Digest. I'm your host, Mike Parkin, and joining me, as usual, are Richard Hawes. Hello, everyone. And Stephen Lockridge. Hello. We've got three very different films to look at tonight. It is a very eclectic mix. Um, are they any good? We shall find out. We're going to kick off with Operation Napoleon Frozen Conspiracy. Then we have The Inhabitant and Lock and Load. Our short shot this week is The Gateway Drug. And we round up with our DTV throwback, Starry Eyes. So without further ado, let's crack on. Our first film then is Operation Napoleon, Frozen Conspiracy. When her brother makes an accidental discovery up on an Icelandic glacier, lawyer Kristin finds herself pulled into a dangerous conspiracy which dates back to the end of the World War II and involving some very powerful people. I'm going to throw this straight over to Steve, actually. I want to hear what Steve has to say about this one before I spout off. Steve, what did you make of Operation Napoleon? Um, all right. Um, what I thought, what I found, it doesn't tell you what's going on or what the look. It's right at the very end when it's finished, and there's a big exposition dump right at the end of the film. Mm-hmm. Where it finally clicks in the place, and that to me was too much. It didn't give you enough during the film to build any suspense or excitement, really, and it was just a bit of, you know, a cat and mouse, but just a bit flat. I found it just okay. it didn't get me riled up or edge of the seat or anything like that. Okay. Um, Rich, any thoughts from you on Operation Napoleon? Well, I want to hear what you've got to say first. I really enjoyed this. Um, this. This is what, again, we've had a number of films this year, you know, like the pinball one, like the um, mm. um, yeah. the that horror one set on the farm, something Lodge. Um, um, yeah. Yeah, that one. Um, and and, Look, and uh, Little Bone Lodge. Little Bone Lodge, there you go. You know, films which seem to come out of nowhere and, and just very quietly blow your socks off, basically. You know, I, I knew nothing about this film. Um, when I read the title, I, I, I feared it was going to be some sort of asylum-level, you know, um, cash-in on the Napoleon biopic that Ridley Scott's doing. You know, that I was going to tie into that kind of thing or something. And we get something completely different, you know. I was, my, my interest started peaking when, um, you know, I could see it was an Icelandic film or, you know, produced in Iceland. And and then you got Ian Glenn turning up um, in it as well. And I, I was really intrigued by it. You know, the, the, um, the brother finds the thing um, on, on, on the glacier. And inside there, there was a couple of really interesting so bits, you know, there's one thing he finds, which actually made me go, "Wow, you know, that's that's interesting, really, really, really interesting." And I was intrigued, you know, to find out. I didn't mind the fact that they didn't know what was going on, you know, because it is, you know, why would would the bad guys tell them? <laughs> you know, they, they 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 wouldn't waste their breath sort of telling them what was going on. That they they don't want them to know, um, so so I didn't mind that um, that, that bit. That what we do find out right at the end is does actually sort of have a, a bone of truth about it as well. Uh, the thing about the train is is actual, you know, it is it is a quite well known thing. Yeah. Um, you know, a long a long held sort of rumor or you know urban legend, whatever you want to call it, um, that that sort of um, emanated from World War Two. But I, I, I really, really like this. Um, yeah, 
over to you, Rich. Yeah, no, I, I, I'm similar line to you, really. I, I was sort of quite, um, you know, seeing the the title and the 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 cover, the artwork and stuff. I was a bit, I didn't quite know what what I was going to get. Hmm. But what we get is a Hollywood style thriller uh, with the budget to match, uh, yeah. and this is. This is very. I mean, do you remember in the 1990s when we had this whole spate of conspiracy thrillers? Things like the the Pelican Brief and things yeah. like that. You know, it's, it's well, like yeah, Pel- yeah, Julia Roberts doing Pelican Brief yeah. and Conspiracy Theory, and, the, and you true, had yeah. all the others, yeah. and um, all these other ones. And th- this would fit into that mm-hmm. mold. It fits in that mold. Uh, you know, you can compare it to the, you know, Da Vinci Code and all that sort of that. They all follow the same kind of uh, structure, uh, and I would say there's nothing particularly. Uh, apart from the Icelandic location setting, hmm. uh, the mixture of English English language and Icelandic language was quite interesting because it's it's clearly trying to play to a bigger audience. And there's a it starts off with some English, but then it goes into Icelandic. But the, a, a lot of the film is actually in English, even though it is very much an Icelandic film. Yeah. Um, the co- the you know it's it's all about the you know two characters on the run trying to find out what's going on they they go from place to place you know getting information uh, the guy who uh, our heroine team you know because she gets framed she's got to try and fight uh, you know find out what's going on prove her innocence all that sort of stuff um the guy she teams up with is a brit so mm. then she has to speak english for the whole film and then various people they encounter usually end up being either uh, English, English or, or, America, or, or, yeah, yeah. or English yeah. or American or speaking, you know, even the even the Icelandic people. So it's got a very uh, cross-cultural kind of feel to it, which is probably the only really distinctive thing about it. Mm. Um, but that's not a bad thing. I think sometimes all you need is a, a really nice, familiar, warm blanket kind of movie. Mm-hmm. And I think that's what this is. It's, um, it's you know, something you've seen a lot before, but there's some little novel things about it. Uh, the, the actual... Uh, the setup with the uh, the discovery and it, there's a little link to global warming in there um, and the, uh, the, the that's kind of brought it about. Uh, all the conspiracy stuff is really nice. Ian Glenn's really good. He's playing like an American, uh, I think he's a senator or, or not a senator, but, you know, he's like a, a high level in the government kind of guy mm-hmm. who's kind of running this operation. There's a... CIA, a yeah, he's a CIA. Oh yeah, I think I think you're right. I think CIA it's, uh, agent. Yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. There's uh, this woman. There's this woman leading his sort of hit team, and mm. she's like really nasty. She's oh, she's mm. doing this stuff with a pencil and stuff. It's yeah. pretty gross. And um, but the 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 locations are really great. You know the you know it's making the most of the Icelandic setting. Mm-hmm. It's very it's very much you know uh, uh, vistas. You know there's uh, lovely you know cityscapes and and the te- and the town uh uh you know the the uh, wild wilds you know the snow covered mm. landscapes and stuff really um really liked it a lot i like the cast as well you know yeah. the i say we mentioned um ian glenn but the icelandic actors in it um uh, vivian olaf Stortir, who mm. is um Kristen. she was i believe in cop secret which we watched last oh, yeah. year yeah, yeah and uh i particularly liked uh Ol- Olafar Dari Olafsson, <laughs> who played oh, Aina, yeah. who's a really big guy. Um, he, he's got a lot of character. He's really good. Um, and there's some nice banter and interplay between them. Um, yeah, so, so they kind of stood out to me. The director is someone we've actually we covered way back at the start of um, his last film, I think it was. Mm-hmm. We covered I, Rem- uh, I Remember You uh, in our 41st episode back in uh, 2017. All right. Um, I'm not sure if 100% whether that was his last. No, it was. Uh, I think he's. No, it was his last feature because he's done a lot of TV work, including the uh, Riviera uh, series, mm-hmm. which I think Jack Fox, who's in this film, I think he was in the Riviera series. Uh, I'd have to double check that. But the. Yeah, I say if, if you, in, this is the kind of movie that I would have, you know, I've. Uh, hmm. I'd have watched it with my nan kind of movie, you know, mm-hmm. it's like, it's, 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 it's inoffensive. It's really watchable, really, in, you know, entertaining sort of thriller. It's based on a novel um, by, uh, I think it's uh, mm. Ar- Ar- Arnold 
Indrasen. Uh, I can't pronounce it, but uh, it is actually available in, in English. You can pick up the novel. That's one of the things that sort of like perked me up as well. So, you know, when mm. it came up saying it was, it was based on a book, I thought, okay, well, somebody's, you know, definitely put a bit of effort into this. Because if it was like a sort of typical DTV thing, you know, you, you wouldn't get that element. It would be some sort of very generic script sort of thing. So I was, I was quite sort of... Um, hopeful going going into it from that point yeah i think you can as well that like that big like um steve was saying that big exposition dump at the end that's very much like a, a book kind of thing to do yeah you wouldn't normally do that you would normally structure it probably slightly differently for a movie so it's kind of a bit it is a bit weird the way they do that at the end i don't mind it but it's kind of a very big epilogue kind mm. of thing and you know is it over? Ooh. <laughs> kind of thing as well. well. They're, right. they're, trying yeah, to, yeah. they're trying to do too much at the end, I think. Because yeah. um, yeah. it's like the film feels like it feels like it reaches an end point and it doesn't really need any more, hmm. even though they haven't explained everything. It feels like it could have ended at a point and then it just kind of goes on, for the, which is fine, but it's kind of, uh, I don't know, over egging the pudding or whatever. But I didn't mind. I, li I really liked it. I thought it was great. I, it was one of my, uh, one of the films I've most enjoyed watching so far this year, I think. The whole bit at the end with it with it with the airplane as well that that was just really really well done you know that, yeah. that whole whole sequence really there's, a, there's some slightly ropey visual effects but mm. for the most part um, everything is everything is top quality I think in this film yeah I, I agree that's I think that was the thing that that with me I mean like you said the money's there the, the performances are there I just thought the script was pretty generic to be honest it is I think I think you're right I think it is absolutely generic. But for me, I didn't mind that. I was I was quite happy yeah. to be sort of carried on, carried along yeah, with yeah. the familiarity of it all. Absolutely. I think, yep. I think I was wanting a bit more. So if, you know, it's I don't know. It just mm. felt a little flat and a bit too long as well. I think you could have took about a good 10, 15 minutes out of it. I think like so. Say, yeah. It's one of them yeah. bit like Return of the King. It's like three endings. <laughs> you know? the, the only thing that, you know... Because he got to the point, and I checked, and I'm like, hang on, there's still 15 minutes left here. What, what are they going to do? The, the only thing that sort of got to me a little bit watching this is... You, you could make a drinking game out of the number of times the henchman loses Kristen and then goes, fuck. Because you know? <laughs> it's like every couple of minutes, like, fuck. And it's like, lost her again, because, you know... It's like you're supposed, to, you're supposed to be the best henchman, and, and you're letting this woman slip through your fingers time and time again. It's ridiculous. Again, again, that's one of the cliches of the oh, yeah, thing, isn't it? Everything's so familiar. It's like there's this one guy who's sort of leading. He's trying to hunt them down, and because he starts brilliantly, that guy, you know, when he turns up yeah. at her apartment. Oh yeah, um, but yeah. that whole bit was was great. But after that, he becomes kind of like the cartoon henchman it's like you know curses yeah, yeah. Foil, foil i think you're game. right yeah yeah yeah, yeah they, he, anyway. his his villainy does peak a bit too early i think that's yeah. fair to say anyway. um i also want to say the the old the old english lady they run into hmm. i was watching her i was thinking i i've seen her and stuff she's like one of those character actors you just yeah, reckon yeah. you you see loads time and time again uh i'm i've just looked her up her name's annette badland uh yeah. and yeah and she has indeed been in pretty much everything like Mid some murders, Eastenders, all that sort of stuff, um, the Crown. So uh, yeah, I thought this, I, but I thought this was a really good role for her. You know, she's playing this really tough lady. Uh, gets a really great scene. I love um, when she goes down into the uh, sort of the conspiracy room, as it were. You know, mm -hmm. where where she's got all the stuff pegged up and all this sort of stuff. And there's a nice little assault on the house sequence and everything. As though. Um, I, I enjoyed, yeah, there were was, was so many things that I really mm. just sort of connect, uh, really enjoyed about this film. Um, and uh, if it was in, if it was more, I think I would have been, been more interested if it was more in Icelandic than, than English. Mm. Yeah, but possibly. I didn't I didn't mind at all. I think it's great. I think, I hope that a lot of people go and check it out. I think the cover yeah. art that um, uh, uh, Signature Entertainment are used with the Frozen Conspiracy sort of tagline, is uh, slightly. Is it the one with the Northern Lights? Some of the more, some of the other artwork. Uh, I think so. Yeah. yeah, I think that's the one where where it's got sort of a, a bunch of people standing. You know, it's Ian Glenn front and mm. center on the poster. I think. And hang on, I'm just going to look it up now. Yeah, so it's got uh, it's Ian Glenn with um, uh, the the uh, Ina standing behind him with a rifle, mm. and that. Yeah. I just think 
it, it's it's fine, but it doesn't quite sell the movie. I don't think. I think there's some really nice uh, artwork that was used in other territories that's really quite evocative um, and mysterious looking. Yeah. Uh, that I think sort of it, it looks more intriguing. But you know, that's that's a say on side. I think you know anyone listening to this, they should definitely go and check this out. Uh, whether you, if you're fans of thrillers, if you're fans of the actors involved, like Ian Glenn and stuff, you're going to get a lot out of this, I think. Absolutely. And on that note, how are we going to score it? Over to Steve. I'll give it a six. Mm-hmm. And Rich? I'm going to give it an eight. Yeah, I'm joining you on an eight. Um, this is exactly the sort I, I did tweet about it the other day, and I said this is exactly the sort of thing I, I, I cover DTV for, basically. It's, it's these absolute sort of gems, the, the surprises that sort of pop up um, in between all of the pursuits and fortresses and bullshit. Cool. So two eights and a six for Operation Napoleon. Go check it out. Our next film is The Inhabitant. Tara is a troubled teen just trying to make sense of the world around her when she is beset with disturbing nightmares which might be linked to her ancestor, the notorious axe murderer Lizzie Borden. This is an interesting film. I'm not sure if I how much I like it. Um, I certainly admire lots of it. And it's one of these films that you could almost take the horror out, you know, the sort of more supernatural bits and still be left with a pretty intense family drama, um, which, which is, is, is a good thing. I think some of the supernatural bits are a bit confusing. I think it's, it almost sort of loses track where it is sometimes. Mm-hmm. Um, but the visuals are pretty good, I have to say. Um, yeah, I, yeah it's, it's, it's an interesting one. It does something a bit different. And as I said, the underlying... Um, sort of family drama sort of, sort of helps sort of bolster it for sure. Steve, what did you make of The Inhabitant? Yeah, it's interesting. But like you say, I don't... Not 100% sure where I stand on it. Mm. Um, I thought the... Lizzie... Is it Lizzie Bowden? Bo- uh, uh, Bowden, yeah. Yeah, Angle was interesting. Um, mm. Is that... Is that a legend or is it like a true? No, it's a true story. Yeah, she, yeah. she well, supposedly killed her, killed her yeah. parents and a, and a younger brother or something, and and got away. You know, found not guilty. Yeah, because I remember I've seen like the Chloe Seven You One from a couple of years ago. I remember that coming out. Yeah. and stuff like that. It was, like, it was uh, a TV series with um, Christina Ricci about uh, that, that, that yeah. might be the one. Yeah. That was what I'm thinking of, but yeah, I thought that was interesting. I'll I'll be kind of put that in hmm. to the plot and the start of it. But it's again, it's it's very generic. It's and the twist is you can see it coming from an absolute mile off. Um, about halfway through, I was like, yeah, I know, I know what's going on here. You can just hmm. tell. And what forms has got? Dill, uh, Dermot Mulroney's. He's a bit wasted, to be fair, he's hardly in it. Hmm. He's looking old, old, isn't he? Yeah, someone said that the other day. <laughs> and what it was on. But even in, like, just finished watching Secret Invasion, even in that, he's, he's looking... He is looking like he's knocking on a bit now. Yeah. Um, well, yeah. I suppose he is, to be fair, but... Let's I face it, we all are, so... <laughs> exactly, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, he was okay, he just... Just needed a bit more to go with it. I thought it was a bit. Hmm. There's no jump scares or anything like that. There's no build of anything. It's just you know, when the kills do come, they're quite quick and over and done with, and it's just move on to the next thing. And there's no no tension building there. I just a bit disappointed. Hmm. Yeah, I, th- I think the sort of horror element is sort of overshadowed bit by the sort of the family side of it, and, and the, the yeah. horror bit feels a bit rushed as a result, you know. Um, yeah. Steve, sorry, Rich, 
Uh, what did you make of this? And, and, and what do you make of the, um, you know, the opening uh, sort of scroll that we get sort of, you, you think that was a bit sort of heavy handed sort of setting the scene with that? You I know, I no, I, I thought that was fine. I thought it was good. The problem was it was too blooming quick to read. <laughs> I was like, I don't know if it was just, might just be me being a slow reader, but mm. I, I actually had to go back and pause it mm. and, and stuff to actually uh, try and get the through the line. Oh, you did the same. Yeah, so yeah. The, the, mm. even because it's like a couple of lines, a couple of lines, a couple of lines, and then a, a little bit more. And that's fine. You know, this the whole, this is one, you know, setting up the thing. There's a legend. This is one of those stories that kind of thing. Mm. I thought that's fine. That sort of sets it up quite nicely. Um, I really liked this from uh, again from the start. I sort of got drawn in by the um, the good production values um, and the and the sort of atmospherecness. I, I quite like I, I quite like sort of teen thriller horror kind of stuff. Uh, so you know, like mm. some of uh, some film some of the stuff like Bella Thorne does and stuff like that. That's uh, mm -hmm. been been quite interesting. The uh, this is very much sort of a it's one of those films that's like a, a character portrait you know is is you know what's her you know what's her mental state and all this sort of stuff and it try i think possibly i think you're right maybe it's trying to do too many things like you've got the the men you know her legitimate mental state but then they throw in these you know overt horror elements mm -hmm. uh uh like ghostly horror elements i say um and they sort of try and mix it up and sometimes they it, it, it it's a Maybe they're maybe the the balance isn't quite right. Maybe I don't know. At times, I think yeah. I did definitely. I will say I liked the first act, uh, first two acts. Sorry, better than the last act. Mm -hmm. yeah. uh, I thought I thought the final half an hour or whatever was fine, but it was more the build up. Basically, when they go to the guest house, I'll say, you know, uh, before everything before that, I think I was I, I enjoyed a lot more. I think yeah. once they got there lots of other stuff starts happening and then obviously you get the twists and things thrown in at the end which is fine which is absolutely fine i don't mind all that um but the i think the the sort of original the the sort of establishing of like you say the family dynamics um odessa Azion, as tara the lead lead character uh, all the sort of uh, unspoken sort of angst about the uh the uh the family lineage and you know is it a uh, hereditary insanity mm -hmm. you know this they, they do all this stuff with the aunt they mention the aunt and stuff but and she goes and she does the thing where she goes to see her and stuff like that but it's it's quite a throwaway actually it's it's sort of she goes to see the aunt it's a couple of minutes and and that's it whereas it felt it felt like that was going to be more of an a more significant part than it was yeah. yeah. Uh, and then it comes away and then it all, all starts to be about seances and, and stuff like that. But um, yeah, I, the Lizzie Borden thing is a very sort of ingrained in American culture, I think. And we don't really know much about it over here, um, mm -hmm. sort of like passively from a couple of things. But I think it's fine. I think it worked into that sort of mythology quite well. But yeah, also, I say performances. I thought the cinematography and the sort of the, the theme and the thing. I'd Sometimes I just like a nice standard thriller. Uh, and this sort of gave me that. Hmm. Yeah, yeah. I, I I found um sort of you know the sort of nightmare sequences to be quite effective. Like, like there's one where she's in the, in the room with the baby and she's got the axe. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And yeah. she's like accidentally cuts her leg with it, as, as if it's like no, this is real sort of thing. You know, this is actually happening. I thought that stuff was great, but I found the actual murders that were happening were totally disassociated from Taro you know uh, you never got the feeling like oh could it could it be her killing people and I, I never once really sort of thought that you know what I mean so, so it's like well it has to be something else unfortunately even with those dream sequences sort of say well yeah obviously there's that sort of connection but overall as you say good production values um it could could have done with a bit more Sort of blood and guts, basically. You know, you got an axe for God's sake. You know, <laughs> there's a couple of quite bloody moments. I yeah. thought there was, there was one or two bits that I think. I mean, the, the family the dynamics. Uh, 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 on Twitter, there, there's um, somebody I follow called R. Scorbury, and she puts together. You know, she collates all these really horrible stories about sort of men being 
arseholes and stuff. There's a thing on Reddit um, called Am I the Arsehole? Where yeah. people sort of like basically confess being an arsehole and then ask the question. Um, and there's stories on there which resonated with what was in this, you know, the whole thing with sort of the dad um, that was getting creepier and creepier, basically, as, as the film went on. Um, mm -hmm. Yeah, it, it, it's very interesting. And it, and it did sort of strike as being quite, unfortunately, you know, um, tr true to life. But I was thinking with, with, say, one of the characters in that situation, mm -hmm. they kind of do, they try to do like an about face. Mm. And I don't yeah. think it quite works. Yeah. Because I think from what's established early, earlier, there's no real other, you know, it's quite sinister the way it, all, it present, is presented. And I don't think there's any other way you could paint, present, could, you know, mm. explain it. And then it's kind of brushed away at the end. I, mm. I just, uh, that didn't quite gel for me. Yeah. Uh, that sort of. Uh, there are elements, yeah, ele yeah, elements which are sort of like not quite there. I think, I think, is what we're saying. Yeah. They try to go aha, but you, yeah. but it's almost like, well, not really. It's not really aha because yeah. uh, because of that thing that we, you know. Yeah. Anyway, but it's like so, minor criticisms. Yeah. I really enjoyed it. Yeah. Okay, that's good. On that note, uh, Steve, how are you going to score it? Six. Yeah, I'm going to join you on a six for this one, and Rich. Uh, a solid seven from me. Cool. Okay. Two sixes and a seven for The Inhabitant. Go check it out. Our next review is Lock and Load. Private security personnel Nick and Derek investigate the disappearance of their friend, Agent Stokes, after an undercover sting operation goes wrong. I'm really glad that IMDb actually had a coherent sentence to describe this film, because otherwise I'd be writing basically a one of those conspiracy boards with like loads of like red um, thread, you know, joining bits and pieces to try and understand what the fuck is going on with this film. Um, mm. Having said that, having said that, I did kind of enjoy this. I'll talk about this more in a minute. Over to Steve. Yeah, you're right. It's it's all over the place. It really is. I mean, there's even some bits where the, the sound's missing. <laughs> yep. I think it's like a car crash and there's literally no sound of it and stuff like that. And it's not like a slow-mo, you know, we'll do it that way. It's just bits and pieces are missing. Um, it is very, very cheaply thrown together. Mm. And, yeah, I didn't have a clue what was going on at the time, I'll be honest with you. It, it, it kind of literally does just throw you in. And oh, you've definitely. got these yeah. and, and you're trying to catch up all the way through, and you haven't got... I'll be honest, I, I didn't have a clue what was happening, to be <laughs> fair. It was just, right, let's watch him shoot shit and do one-liners. It's like it. Not a diehard, but you know what I mean? That kind of early yeah. 90s throwback type it, thing. It's very clear that the director, Nathan Shepko, who also plays one of the main characters, is a huge, huge action fan. And he's yeah. been, you know, he's, he's got the opportunity to sort of make his own action movie. And he's grabbed hold of it with both hands for sure. Um, well, yeah, having said that, hmm. He also did thing here, didn't it? When is it when Darkness Falls? Hmm. That we watched a while back. So oh yeah, yeah. He's he's obviously trying, you know, different genres and different hmm. styles, which I applaud him for. But this, I just thought, was a bit. He needed a bit more focus, I think. Hmm. To be fair. When Darkness when, Falls, that was the one when, set in. In, isn't it set in the fort in, in Portsmouth or something? No, it was in the uh, hills of Scotland. Oh, it's the other one. <laughs> it's a different one I'm thinking yeah. of. <laughs> yeah. Oh, now I know which one you mean. Yeah, the one about the two hitmen. Sort of, yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. That's yeah. the one. Yeah. Okay, uh, Rich, how did you get on with Lock and Load? Well, I don't know if you guys know, but this is a sequel uh, to uh, it was originally called I think it was originally called Holiday Monday Two Brothers in Arms but the, the right. original film 
holiday was was going to be released on its original title, Holiday Monday, but then it came out as uh, the bank holiday job in the end. Okay. Uh, okay. I we did get a screener for it. I did rev- I did watch it, but I can't remember what what it was about it. But we didn't end up reviewing it hmm. for whatever reason. Um, so I don't think you guys saw it. No. Um, but that was okay. where these two characters are introduced. They, they are very much presenting this one as a, you don't have to have seen the last one. It's kind of, mm. um, I, th- I think there's a little indication on the opening credits that the original title has been taken off and lock and load has been added because there's a little, little, there's like a little jump cut kind of thing. But um, I might be wrong on that. It might just be me sort of looking for something that wasn't there. But yeah, the the um, it's a sequel, but it's not like a, a direct sequel in any sort of, weighty sort of sense that you need to see it um but so uh mentioning that the i have to i i there's i give it credit for the fact that it's a scottish action movie which there's not many of those nope. i think um you know arapaya in in a similar vein is sort of kind of this you know was a sort mm-hmm. of a self-made you know uh micro budget action filmmaker i think nathan mm-hmm. shepka's sort of following a similar kind of path um it, this very much reminds me of where british low budget action was um in the when we sort first of started yeah yeah exactly. well in the early to mid 2000s i would say yeah. i mean it's got a, it really reminds me of the films of steve lawson and ross boyask yeah. when they were starting out yeah, yeah. Uh, uh i think there's you know the budget limitations but also the energy and you know the 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 sparks there i think some of the cast in this are really good mm-hmm. um there's and some of the some of the cinematography and lighting is really good in certain scenes so there's the stuff with the chess master who i think um uh, who's the 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 uh, the woman who comes in sort of about half yep. half, half an hour in 30, 40 minutes i can't remember but um but there's the guy who's introduced at the start who uh, who's like introduced as the villain and he's got the beard and stuff i thought he uh, i thought he was really good uh, and uh, um I enjoyed, I enjoyed their scenes. Uh, some the action's quite um, uh, ambitious. Mm-hmm. You know, there's 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 a mixture of everything. You know, you've got gunfights, you've got martial arts, you've got um, you know, think uh, explosions. There's some tell some. So you got like the opening scene or the, one of the opening scenes where the the sort of bus goes wrong kind of thing, and you, and the guy gets revealed to be a um, uh, <coughs> um, you know, an agent. Mm-hmm. Interpol, uh, whatever, yeah, yeah. And I just thought, unfortunately, he wasn't very good. <laughs> it's no. like it was like, like it didn't look like they picked the best actor for that. So, um, uh, yeah. So that there's there's certain bits like that where where it's just it, it sort of uh, I'm I'm sort of trying to get into it, and that sort of comes off. It, it opens up with a quite ambitious sort of DMX style rap track, which I thought was. Um, an interesting choice uh that's that's probably one of my favorite there's some music in the film that i wasn't a fan of either it's just not to my taste um but again i think that's all sort of i presume that all sorts of comes to the sort of the low budget sort of collective kind of feel about it there's probably you know it's probably all friends banding together you know friends have got bands and whatever everyone's getting together to to make this film which is fine um it's good uh the uh, you know it's not going to be for everyone i think the this is an action movie for action fans but i think you've got to be a particular kind of action fan you've got to be really sort of uh you know uh, action this fan. is yeah you got to it's just kind of a deep deep you know one to go in go in go for i mean there's a there's a lot of in america especially there's loads of sort of micro budget action filmmakers that are not going to be everyone's cup of tea not least yeah. some of them are not my cup of tea um but because i like things at a certain level but i thought this was good i think it's too long um you know again if you're working with such a low budget uh and you know i think you need to rein it in a bit i say i think for me this on the setup and the stuff they do here i would prefer as like a short film or at least a shorter film so like an hour and 20 minutes hour and 15 hour and 20 say Mm -hmm. kind of a steve lawson length um this was about 20 minutes too long but you do get plenty of sort of bang for your buck i would say the confusion of the story, uh, I'm not so worried about it. It sort of finds its way and it becomes quite quite standard. And you know, you get it all leads to a very very action packed finale. I think you know we're going to see. Yes, Nathan Shepka's sort of uh, uh, you know 
directing, writing, acting, you know, making these sort of vehicles for himself and stuff. But he's also, like I say, doing uh, doing these thrillers and things. He's he's doing. Um, he works on, like you say, When Darkness Falls with our our mate Tom Jolliffe, who he's also done. It's also an easy um, one. The, yeah, the uh, baby, baby in the basket. Yeah, they're working on that together, which is a very different kind of film to this. Mm. So again, he's. I mean, you look at Nathan Shepard's filmography. He's been. He's been at this for quite some time already. Uh, you know, he's worked on loads of stuff. We're still, you know, working within the sort of com- confines, uh, you know, lots and lots of short films to sort of get him started. And he's building up his his experience with, with these films, trying, you know, new challenges and stuff. So I think he's got, you know, we're going to see him move up and get better and better and better in the same way that we did to a degree with like Arapaya, although he's, hmm. he's sort of, um, his films went in... Um, I don't know, some, some like um, Instant Death, for example, where, where Lou Ferrigno goes around Bristol. That's pretty good. Yeah, um, it was actually. But, um, but uh, yeah, so, and the same with Ross Boyask, you know, some of his early stuff I'm, I'm not a massive fan of, but, you know, we've ended up with things like I Am Vengeance Retaliation and stuff, and I can certain, I, I, it's not within the bounds of possibility that I can see Nathan Shepka getting mm-hmm. to that kind of point of doing quite a slick, you know, quality um, action film like that. Yep. There's there's definitely a lot to like here. I mean, you know, you have to take a lot with a pinch of salt because it is very low budget. Um, and as you say, Rich, it is is too long. And I wish they had, you know, refined those action scenes a bit, shortened them, mm. you know, ditched half of the extras, um, and just sort of made, you know, a few tighter. Um, sort of, you know, action scenes, basically. There are some interesting bits with the camera. You know, they, they do a few nice little tricks with the camera, like when there's a current trope of, like, when someone flips over and, and the camera yeah, yeah. flips with them. There, there's, it's, the up, there's, it's the upgrade thing, isn't it? It's yeah, that of the James exactly. Wan so, kind so, of so Lee 1L thing. We, we got that in there. But at the same time, there's a whole the whole um, shootout which is about three quarters of the way through in, in that sort of warehouse with all the sort of plastic barrels and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. The camera is very static during that scene. You know, I mean, it, it cuts between various people, but the camera is just like placed there and it doesn't move at all. You know, um, film somebody shooting, then it moves, you know, move to another guy shooting and stuff like that. It would have been more interesting if, if the camera was moving or a bit more f- fluidity to it. Um, some, you know, so, there's some continuity errors or seem to be in that scene where there's there's three guys stood side by side and they all get shot and then like two scenes later they're all back up again (laughs) sort of firing as if they hadn't been shot at all uh silly things like that um i did like a lot of the martial arts a lot of the hand-to-hand stuff was good um there, there was a bit of gapping at times um but that's you know i'm not gonna sort of really pick holes in it uh, too much because, as I said, it, it is a low-budget film. They've got limited resources, so and, and what they actually managed to put on screen overall, I thought was actually pretty decent. The, my favourite scene in there, um, which, which almost seems like a bit of a nod to uh, Mission Impossible, the latest one, uh, mm. when, when they get in their little car and sort of knock the doors off, you know, and sort of driving around this warehouse. Um, and, and a definite kudos to the to, to them for. Um, Doing an action scene and using a really cheesy pop song over the over it, I thought that was really good. It's, it's something I've thought about doing myself. You, you know, if I sort of get my bloody screenplay sorted, as like I've got a B fifty two song I want to use for for a fight scene, sort of that. You know, that sort of silliness, and and they managed to do it, and I, I thought they did it pretty well. And and the two leads, you know, Nathan Shepker and Colin McDougall, I thought. I th- They've got good chemistry. That you know, they work really well together. Um, so I've got no issues there at all. I I would certainly check out more from these guys. Um, that's for sure. Anyway, how are we going to score it? Rich, over to you. I'm going to I'm going to go a six on this one. Mm-hmm. I'm going to join you on a six. Yeah, definitely shows promise. This. Yeah, I'll I'll go a five. Mm-hmm. Two sixes and a five for Lock and Load. Go check it out.
our short shot this week is The Gateway Drug. Billy and her friends have gathered to try a new illicit drug which reportedly opens your sixth sense. The drug is meant to help her contact a dead relative but instead brings her to the attention of things which do not want to be noticed. Um, a very stellar short this one, Rich. Well done, mate, for, for finding this. <laughs> um, you know, it, it's got a great setting, it, you know, literally somebody's front room. Uh, I think it works really, really well. Um, yeah, this, this this just ups the tension brilliantly. You know, the, the, the editing I thought was really good. It was a bit confusing at first um, because I hadn't actually read the connect synopsis. I'm thinking, why? You know, it, it seemed really, really coincidental that, you know, they happen to take a drug and there's this thing there, if you see what I mean. Um, you know, it's like, oh, you're taking the drug, I must kill you. But, other, you know, reading the synopsis, it kind of made a bit more sense a little bit. But, um, yeah, this was uh, really, really well done. Some of the special effects were excellent. There's, there's a bit where somebody's face crumples. And oh, yeah. That, that was really, really well done. Um, yeah, Steve, what do you make of this one? Yeah, it was good. Um, short, sharp. Built the tension, did what it should do. Uh, performances were good, direction was good, like the editing was great. Uh, all in all, I, I really enjoyed this one. To be fair, it was unexpected. It wasn't what I thought it was going to be. Mm. Um, with being with the name of it as well, I was that kind of threw me from what I was expecting. I think. Mm. Um. Yeah, all in all, really enjoyed this one. Good choice, Rich. Yeah, the, the the cast are really good in this, and and you know, I'm I'm pretty sure I recognise a couple of the faces um, in this. I, oh. I, I just like how clueless they were. <laughs> you know, it was like, oh, somebody died. Oh shit, you know. Yeah. Well, was the main one's uh, Kayla Cowan, who was in Willy's Wonderland. The Nicholas. Oh yeah, yeah, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah, she was in that. Awesome. Yeah. So, Rich, what, what could you tell us about this um, as, as you curated this one for us? This is from director Andy Chen, who's been on our radar for a while. We've already covered quite a few of oh, his yeah. shorts, including uh, which are quite diverse in their genres, uh, but he does sort of lean towards horror. Um, we've covered Swarm, which was that sort of uh, martial arts, mixed martial arts thing with zombies with the... Um, oh, yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. I think it was the father-daughter or something. That's right. Uh, yeah. Fiona, which was the fan film based on Shrek, uh, which was like... Yes, that was really month. good. Yeah, yeah. And, and also uh, Crooks, which was the comedy with... Um, uh, oh, yeah. Soft Kutchley. Oh, yeah. And, and, and uh, you know, that where the, where the two girls are trying, trying to, to rob, rob the, the convenience store. The store to beat yeah. them to it. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, very um, good. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, so this one popped up again. I, I think, like you guys, I, I or or at least Steve, you know, the cup, the title sort of didn't grab me at first. I was just thinking, mm. I'm not sure about that, you know, because I've got all this big long list of things to watch, and I was just like, mm, not sure. But then I was like, I give, give it a go, and I can, and I understand the title. The title is actually quite clever once you, mm. yeah, uh, once you. Yeah. You've you've seen the film. It's a, a nine minute film. It's very you know like um, say I would. It's it's sort of the quality I've come to sort of expect. But the the cinematography and everything's really good. I would put this next to because um, it, what it reminded me of uh, being a similar kind of thing was uh, she comes from the woods short, yeah. which I, I don't. Um, I'm not sure if we covered that or you. I know we talked about the feature we film. About but, it. Well, we, talk, but we talked yeah. about the short as well, but yeah. Yeah, in, but the short is, um, you know, it's that kind of summoning kind of storyline, but also in terms of the production values and stuff. I think mm -hmm. this paces itself really well in sort of revealing things and, you know, uh, the character stuff. It's over nine minutes, but, you, you know, you've got the initial sort of introduction and then the sort of uh, little bit of exposition and then the sort of you're not quite sure what's going to happen then the things start happening and and the stuff that happens is yeah sure fairly standard sort of horror stuff but you know, you know there's only there's only so much you could do but i thought with what this sort of concept which possibly has been done elsewhere i thought feel felt really novel and quite mm -hmm. clever uh, and I liked um, the way the the um, the execution of it, and say the cast, and say like you say that some of those horror, some of those moments, 
uh, are really, really effective. Uh, so yeah, this is definitely one of my favorites of the year so far. Probably one of my favorite of Andy Chen's films so far as well. Mm-hmm. I think uh, it's it's really, really good. Yeah, it's really good. Absolutely. Yeah, so we don't score the shorts, but we certainly recommend them. And you will find a link to this in the footnotes below. Go check it out. Our DTV throwback this week is Starry Eyes. Sarah Walker is an aspiring actress attending auditions and working at a local diner. When she lands an audition for a horror film called The Silver Scream, Sarah slowly comes to realise how much she yearns for stardom and what she will do to achieve it. Steve, now, yeah. I know you don't like sort of, you know, sort of the blood and guts kind of stuff. So, so there is something which you know we will discuss shortly. But overall, yeah. how how did you get on with um, Starry Eyes? It's not, to me, it's not been a great week this week, I'll be honest. I don't know. It was just... Nothing happens for about 45 minutes to an hour. Really. You know, she goes for this audition and it gets gets a bit weird, but then goes back again. And, you know, it's it's the old casting couch thing. And then nothing happens again. 20 minutes I thought it just dragged and it's, it's also one of the films where I don't think there's any really likeable characters I think they're all assholes to be fair mm-hmm. very self-centred very I mean I, I suppose they're supposed to be because they're in Hollywood but it, it just didn't do much for me and then all of a sudden it changes from slightly weird to just over the top. It, go, it goes very all. sort of martyrs sort of level sort of blood and guts for, for a yeah, little bit. It just yeah. goes so is it top. is this anything like um because I didn't get hmm. I didn't get a chance to see it. Did it is it sort of in the setup like Nicole Kidman's to die for kind of thing? No. And it also sounds a little bit like Neon Demon as well, from what you're saying. <laughs> is it like any of those either well, of those films? not really so so, no. so so we've got this actress Sarah she, she lives with other actresses so one one of which is is the most passive aggressive bitch you've ever oh, come across Erin yeah she really is isn't she you know um and you know this, this sort of little clique they have of sort of independent filmmakers and stuff and at the same time she's going for these auditions and she goes for this one with this this sort of well-known but it's a weird company. Um, and she it's fails the audition like a, to begin with. Yeah, it's kind of like an A24. Yeah. Company, and she, 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 yeah, so she fails the audition. But when when she's in the loo, she she, um, she has this thing where she'll sort of pull her hair and have a little fit, you know, as if she's sort of punishing herself. And that gets uh-huh. noticed by the, the casting people. So they bring her back in um, and make her do it again. And, you know, and so she's sort of slowly working away closer to getting this role but it comes to a point where they go well what are you prepared to do Sarah you know exactly what are you prepared to do um but as as Steve says you know at that point really you know as as she she kind of starts transforming um and becoming sort of more self-centered and and all the rest of it um while her friends are being complete bastards and bitches and everything at the same time but there's there's this sort of weird sort of cult element. You know, there's some sort of a cult sort of thing going on with this with this film studio and and the, and the you know the, the the chairman of it. Um, it's a bit sort of almost eyes wide shut in that regard. Um, but um, yeah, and and it is this sort of transformative thing. There's a lot of sort of body horrors. You know, her, her physical appearance starts deteriorating, um, and all this. You know, she sort of tries to push sort of further and then you know the, the these people sort of take it more of a sort of guiding hand but yeah there, there, there comes a point in the film where it becomes very sort of bloody and it, it almost seems to come out of nowhere you know for, for a moment I'd, I'd actually forgotten how sort of <laughs> how bad it gets you know the, the bit with the um the dumbbell, dumbbell. yeah is really really full on yeah. um but there was Did lots of other 
yes, I, I've got I've got it on disc as well. Um, yeah, but yeah, this is one I really do enjoy. I think any you I mean, sick I, bugger. <laughs> I know, but I do it's because it is, you know. It, it it sort of has these sort of different levels because on the one side is this sort of like thing about the supernatural, you know, this sort of occult element. It's also about filmmaking, which mm-hmm. is you know I, I do like films which are sort of set within the film world as well. But also it's this sort of almost like this damning indictment of the whole Miramax, you know, um, casting couch kind kind of scenario. You know, um, uh, it, it sort of does sort of lay it all out. So well, yeah, this this. You know, this is the horror version, but this sort of thing does go on, or you know, more or less. Um, mm-hmm. I always remember uh, Ross sort of saying, you know, about people like Jai Courtney and, um, um, yeah, well, let's say Jai, Jai Courtney. So, how many, how many dicks did he suck to actually get <laughs> to, to become, you know, a prominent <clears throat> star in Hollywood? Um, but there you go. It is that sort of thing, unfortunately. Uh, it is really well done. I do like the soundtrack as well. I like the way it's directed. Um, yeah, I, 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 I really enjoy it. On there, it? But then, but then again, as you guys know, I loved the Neon Demon. So you know, don't even get me started on that shite. T- so you know, take that as you will. But yes, I I really like this. Um, Steve really didn't, unfortunately, didn't quite click with him. I watched it again tonight. You know, I think well, I thought I'll skim through it. Just to sort of remember, and I end up watching the whole thing because because it is that good film. Well, there you go. So who directed who directed it? Good question. Uh, it was. It was two Kevin... people actually: Kevin Colch and Dennis Widmer. Widmeyer. I really liked it. Um, Pity Stephen. We don't score the um, the throwbacks. I recommend this one. Uh, you can find it on Plex, uh, possibly other places as well, and Freevee as well. Freevee. Indeed, yeah. So, so yeah. Unfortunately, you're going to get ads, but you know, otherwise, it's a free film, and it's a very good one, as far as I'm concerned. It's different, you know. It, it's not your sort of typical sort of horror um, at all. But I, I really liked it. So there you go. That is Starry Eyes, and that's the end of this week's show. So thanks to Steve and Rich for joining me, talking about these films. All of us nicely surprised, I think, by Operation. Uh, Napoleon, uh, although me and Rich liked it a bit more than Steve. Um, the Inhabitant, a bit of a mixed bag, and Lock and Load, ambitious for the budget, that's for sure. So, thank you for listening. Um, don't forget to check us out on Facebook and Twitter at the DTV Digest, and also the short shots where you'll find links to. I'll do that again. And also the short shots where Rich puts a link to new shorts every evening around about eight o'clock. Thank you for listening. Tune in next time. Thank you for listening to the DTV Digest. Let us know your thoughts in the comments and tune in again next time.